For those of you who were here last Sunday, we, we're starting this series. We're talking about counting the cost and how David didn't count the cost when it came to taking another man's wife, raping her, and then having him killed and trying to cover it up. David didn't count the cost. And the reason we're doing this series is because it falls right into this, this thing called the Jewish festival called Rosh Hashanah. It's their new year. Um, let me show you this quick video. Uh, Tiana, let show that quick video. What's happening right? This is, this is in U Ukraine just the other night. This is on the eve of Rosh Hashanah. These are, these are Jewish people out there celebrating their brand new year and just dancing. And in fact, the caption says they started dancing on, on the eve of Rosh Hashanah and they're probably still dancing right now. Because what this is, is they, this is a time period for them to count the cost and to be thankful, not just for what was, but to release the things that they've done wrong, the people they've harmed, and to believe God for something new and something better. I came to tell you, don't just stand there and stare because they don't have the covenant we've got. We have access to Almighty God. So if you're going to start praising, don't stop praising because God ain't done yet. He's doing something new. He's doing something today. He's going to keep it going until he completes the work he started in your life. Come on, somebody. Declare the greatness of your God today. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. All right, before I have you go back to your seats, I will. I'll have you go back to your seats. Before I do that, before I do that. Tiana, give me that verse from 2 Samuel quick. 2 Samuel chapter 2. I just want you to see this. I want you to see this. Okay. It says this. It says, after the men who were carrying the ark of the Lord had gone six steps. Six is the number of man. That's our number. After they went six steps, they stopped. Okay. And they began to sacrifice a bull and a, and a fattened calf. And David danced before the Lord. My God. Pentecostals love this verse. Yeah. The, the reformists in the room probably don't like it as much. But David danced before the Lord with all, all his might. Not just some, not, not, not the majority, with all his might. David danced before the Lord. I, I, I showed some of this years ago. You might remember this. It was about a nine-mile journey that David danced from where the ark was until it got to Jerusalem. About nine. Now, come on, some of y'all. Come on. You remember back in the day when you was clubbing all night long? Nine miles was where you got started. Don't, don't act like we can't do that before our God who is worthy of it all. And so here he is. He, he literally dances himself crazy. Tiana, give him the next video because if David were dancing today, this is probably what he'd be doing, right? This is probably David right now, right? In the 21st century. Come on, y'all. Let's go. Let's go. Come on, somebody. I don't know what it looks like, but, but sometimes you just got to, sometimes you just, just got to stop and pop in the middle of it. Yeah. Let's go. I don't care how you do it. Just declare he's worthy of it. And I'm going to keep praising him because he's still worthy. With all my might, I will bless the Lord. With all that I have, I will praise his name. Somebody don't forget his benefits. But bless the Lord, all your soul, and all that is within you. Bless his holy name. Amen. Amen. Woo. Just before you go back to your seats, shake somebody and say, I wonder what it looks like. 
to see you give it all. I wonder what it looked like to see you give it all. And now tell him, watch me. Boom, watch me, watch me. Boom, watch me. Go back to your seat. Go back to your seat. Any, any dancers in the house? Any dancers in the house? Miss Solomon Tommy? Anyone else? Come on, don't be shy. Don't be scared. Dancers in the house. Pastor Beto, uh, Pastor Beto knows how to dance with machetes. Come on, somebody. That's amazing. Dancers. Now, I, I don't know what this is going to turn into today, but uh, we'll see what God does. But let, let's just take a moment, and I want you to see this kind of, uh, this passage right here. I want you to see this in context, because this series about counting the cost, really what we're doing is we're kind of highlighting some of the things that David didn't do in terms of counting costs and the things he didn't take into consideration. And this text in particular uh, is maybe going to give you a different insight as to the cost that we need to count anytime it concerns the presence of God. Just the things that we need to consider when it concerns his presence. So in context, all I've given you is two verses, but in context, what we know is that David has just been anointed as the king of Israel. We know that he's trying to bring the Ark of the Covenant, or the Ark of the Lord, back into the city of Jerusalem. And in 1 Chronicles chapter 13, it reads this way. It says that David consulted with all his officials, including the generals and the captains of his army. Verse 3 tells us, it, uh, David saying, It is time to bring the Ark of our God back, for it was neglected during the reign of Saul. And so the whole assembly actually agreed with David because the people could see that this was the right thing to do. So David has the right desire. His desire is, I, I want to do something that my predecessor wouldn't do. Okay, Saul, King Saul, the, the guy who, who preceded David, he ruled in Israel as king without the ark, which means he ruled without the presence of God. He ruled without the glory of of God. And, and in fact, Saul turned so far away from God that just before he died, instead of seeking guidance from God, he went and sought guidance from a witch. Okay? I just feel led to ask somebody today, if you're not asking and seeking God for guidance, then what witch are you going to to get your direction? See, David had a different desire because he had a different destination in mind. And if you desire a different destination than your predecessors, a different destination than, than your parents, a, a different destination than the, the previous generation. If you desire a different destination, then you have to have a different determination within you. David, David, said, David knew this. He said, I, I have to bring the Ark of the Covenant back here to Israel. I need to bring it back because the Ark is a sign. It's a symbol that God is in the midst of his people. So if we have the ark here, then we will know God is here. So David's determined. He says, under my leadership, we're bringing the ark back because I want to get the glory of God back. I want to get the presence of God back. I just want to know if there are any Americans in 2023 that want to get the glory of God back in the United States of America. Do I have any believers that you want the glory of God back in our churches in America? I got anybody that just says, who cares about America? I just need the glory back in my family. I need the glory back in my household. I need the glory back in my neighborhood. I want the glory back. Keep reading me. Verse 6. So once the people agreed with David, then David and all of Israel went to bring back the ark of God 
That ark is the, is the thing that bears the name of the Lord who is enthroned between the cherubim. If you know anything about the Ark of the Covenant, I don't have a picture for you, but there's the angels, the cherubim on top that are facing each other in a posture of worship. And, and their understanding was that's where God was, right there in that place of worship. That's where God dwelled, in between, enthroned literally in between the cherubim. Verse 7 tells us that they placed the Ark of God on a, on a new cart and brought it to Abinadab's house. And I know you can call him Uzzah or Uzzah, tomato, tomato. Okay. Uh, but Uzzah and, and Ahio were guiding the carts. So two guys are, are there helping kind of guide the cart along. And David and all of Israel were there celebrating before God with all their might. So David's with all the people, and they're celebrating God with all their might. They're singing songs. They're playing all kinds of musical instruments, uh, uh, the lyres, the harps, the tambourines, the cymbals, the trumpets. But when they arrived at the threshing floor of Nikon, the oxen stumbled. And Uzzah reached out his hand to steady the ark. Makes sense. Well, the ark's about to fall. Let me reach out and fix it. The, the, God's presence is going to fall. Let me help God out. Then the Lord's anger was aroused against Uzzah, and he struck him dead because he laid his hand on the ark. Or I think one translation, because of his irreverent act. Ooh, David didn't count the cost. David was angry because the Lord's anger had burst out against Uzzah. 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 I don't know. All I know is now God's mad and David's mad and the ark is going nowhere. The presence going nowhere. It's a bad situation. Come on. So have you ever been in those situations where you're mad and your wife's mad and the kids are mad and we can't do nothing? Can nobody decide anything? Everyone's just mad. Now, I want to be clear about this. David's, David's mission to bring the ark back was a righteous mission. Can I get an amen? Yeah. It was righteous. I, I want the ark of God's presence back where it belongs, in the, in the city of God, in his, in his nation. I, I want the presence of God back, but just because it was a right mission doesn't mean David went about it the right way. And how many of us have learned that just because you mean right doesn't mean it always goes right? Yeah. David had this good plan. It was a good plan. Let's bring the glory back. And that plan is working real good. Because what, what David did is he had a, a new cart. Can I get that? Michael, can I get that cart right there? David got himself a, a, a new cart. I, I, I like how the Bible makes this clear that this wasn't something used. This was something broke down. He got a he got a new cart. Thank you, Michael. Got himself a new brand. brand I don't know how brand new this is, but got himself a, a new cart. Michael, do me a favor, real quick. Let's have Michael represent the Ark of the Covenant. Come on, somebody. Come, on, Michael. Just for just for a second. There we go. Yeah, there we go, Michael. There we go. David David got a new cart. Okay, and then that he said, you know what? This thing looks good. And if I know anything. Because David wasn't around when the ark was taken. So I don't know anything. How did the Philistines were the ones who stole it? They put it on a cart and that's how they transported it. So let me do what the world does because it worked for them. Hold on a second. I'll bring you back in a moment. If it, where do we get off as Christians? When we see it work for the secular. And then think, we can do the same thing, and it'll work for us. Come on, somebody. 
I'm not, I, I, I'm not saying it won't work initially. How many things are you justifying right now because the world does it and therefore it's working for them so I, I can do it because if it works for them, it, it might work for me. How many people are you cheating because it works for them so it, it, it might work for me? How, how, how many of you are, are in godless relationships right now because it's kind of working for somebody else I know so it, it might work for me? How, how many of us are just doing things we should not be doing because we, we think it's working for somebody else in the world and so we say it might work for me? David knew the secular Philistines moved the, car, uh, the ark on a cart. So I said, let me do the same thing. Let me do what I see the world doing. And I just, I just kind of want to let, let, let everybody know here that whatever you are justifying in your life just because it's working doesn't mean it's always going to work. And, and, it, and it doesn't mean at all that God has, has called you or purposed you to do what you're doing. Ooh. I want to ask anyone to raise their hand in this room that ever got caught up in a relationship they shouldn't have been in. You did it anyway. Oh, Lord. And it was working good for a moment until I realized this ain't God's will. And now it ain't working at all. Can I get a uh-oh? Yeah. And amen, right? Good Lord. I need you to see what happened here. David thought, I can do it the way I've seen the world do it, and it will work. But David didn't count the cost because if he would have just gone to the word, he would have seen according to the Torah. The Torah is, is the, 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 the Old Testament or the Pentateuch in particular, the first five books of the Old Testament. He would have seen in the Torah that God actually commands that the ark can only be carried on poles by the Levites. That's the only way you can transport the ark anywhere. Now, has anyone ever thought to yourself, God, some of the things you say and you do are just they're just old school. They're just, they're a little archaic. Now no one's raising their hand. Come on. That's why we have progressive churches because they don't like the way God does stuff. So they progress away from his word because they think they know better than God. But, but I think we've all been there. We think, God, this, this just seems so old-fashioned. It seems so old-fashioned to only say that the only people who should be married are one man and one woman. It just seems old-fashioned. It, it, it doesn't align with how I'm feeling. It doesn't align with how I'm identifying myself. I know I'm going to get canceled, so I'm just going to go ahead and say it. God's way is still better. You think I'm scared? They canceled me 15 years ago when I started this church. Hello, somebody. I worried? I got to stand before God and give an account of what comes out of my mouth. Think I care whether you cancel me or not? His ways are not old and archaic. His ways are holy and righteous. And we just think we know better than God. And David said, let's make this new cart, okay? Because I really, I have a desire to have God's presence back. So here I've got thousands of people. We're out here singing and dancing and we're excited. We got this new cart and we're, we're carrying the Ark of the Covenant. And, and I'm pretty sure, Rev, if they knew the word, they might have thought to themselves, you know what, this is so much easier on my shoulders, to not have to carry the ark. This is so much more effective and efficient. I like this way better. But what is my point? I just need you to know you can always go your own way and you can always do your own thing. And it will work for a little while. But sooner or later, that oxen is going to stumble. And the thing you thought was working is going to fall apart. Oh, shoot. What oxen, Pastor? Well, what is pulling you in the wrong direction? What, 
what is, is leading the way that, that, that you've put in motion, but you haven't sought God? This oxen is always going to stumble. Uh, Tiana, can you give me, oh, there it is right there. Can you give me verse 9 again real quick? Let me see verse 9. Verse 9 says that when they arrived at the threshing floor, the oxen stumbled. And there's, there's Uzzah. Uzzah. He's reaching out his hand. He's, let, let, me, let me keep the ark from falling. Give me the next verse because is anyone else like me? I, I, have, I have trouble with certain verses in the Bible. And am I alone in this? Okay. Look, look at verse 10. And God struck him dead because he put his hand on the ark. Good Lord, that just troubles me a little bit, y'all. Right? Like if I come out and I like, you know, touched my Bible wrong, is you know, something going to happen? Uh, I see these verses and I'm just like, God, why are you so angry at Uzzah? I mean, he's not the one who stumbled. It was the oxen that slipped. But here's what I need you to know. The stumble wasn't the problem. The problem was the irreverence towards God. Come on, 2023. The Church of America. It doesn't matter how hard we press you sometimes to just give God what he's worthy of. You will still stand there irreverently like you're better than God. Oh, don't act like you're, it's, it's pride that makes us just stand there and stare. Either because you're so prideful you think you're better than God or because you're, you're so prideful that you don't think you're worthy enough to praise God. Either way, you've made it about you and not about God. Is that okay? Am I, am I in so much trouble already that you just zoned me out a while ago and I just, I can't wait till the Bears game starts. Hello. What do we got, 30 minutes, Eric? Are we about there, right? About 30 minutes? How many think I could be done by then? Hallelujah, we'll see. Uzzah didn't stumble. Uzzah was irreverent. He thought he had the right and even the responsibility to put his hand on God's presence. Ladies and gentlemen, in case you didn't know this, you cannot treat God any way you want. You can't. Thank you. Thank you. There's some people who still believe he's a holy God. He's a righteous God. He's separated. He's sanctified. He's above. He has no equal. You cannot just touch God any which way. You cannot just handle his presence any which way. You, you cannot just, just, always, just come to him when you, when you need something and just treat him like he's, like, literally like, like, like he's a genie in a bottle. You can't do that to God. And here's Uzzah thinking, I, I, can just, I can just touch the presence of God anytime I want to. And I just came to remind you, God doesn't need your hands to help him. You need God's presence to help you every single day of your life. And, and I know we don't like this, but, but Reverend Jerry, you know what I realize when I read this text? I realize that sometimes God is, is revealed the most in the stumble. How many can honestly say, I feel like sometimes the greatest proof of God's presence when everything is going right, when I'm happy and healthy and, and feeling blessed and the kids are actually listening, hallelujah, uh, and, and, and my hair is looking great today. I mean, wow, I just, whoo. God's presence is with me because everything is going right 
But I, I need you to know, sometimes the greatest proof of God's presence is when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death because I don't fear any evil because thou art with me. I love how David said in Psalms 46, he said, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. How would you know that God is a very present help in trouble unless you got into some trouble? Let me say that. How would you know that your God is a healer if you never got sick? How would you know that your God is a provider if you never went hungry? How would you know your God is a deliverer if you never went through anything where the enemy had you oppressed? How would you know that your God is a savior if you were never in any kind of trouble? But I need some people to testify for a moment. I know who God is. I know who he's been. And I found out his greatest presence in my life is when things are going great. The greatest presence of God is when the things are going the worst. But there he is. He leads me through that time of trouble. Somebody testify. You got his presence. In the time of trouble. Amen. Amen. Now, I need you to hear me today. I need you to hear me today. Because we don't like the stumble. But Miss Vitti, the stumble, it's going to be inevitable. The stumble is going to be unavoidable. You cannot treat God any way you want to. And then not think you won't have a stumble. Hmm. And what does God do with the stumble? God uses it to correct us. I want to thank God for every time in my life when I thought I knew better. And God let me stumble. Oh, thank you, Lord. You weren't trying to expose my sin. You were trying to correct my path. Look at, look at what happens in verse 12. Look what happens. David was now afraid of God. And he asked, how can I ever bring the Ark of the Covenant back into my care? So David did not move the Ark into the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom. See, David says, okay, I've messed up. I, I, I have messed up. I've, I've stumbled. I've slipped. But how many of us understand that God is still a God who uses our slip-up as his setup? for what he wants to have happen in our life. That stumble God used to get me back on the right path because I was doing my own thing. I was, I was going my own way. I, I created my own will. And God used the stumble to get me on the right path. So here's what happens. He leaves the ark at the house of Obed-Edom in Gath. And the ark of God remained there at Obed-Edom's home for three months. Check this out. I love this next part. Because the presence of God was there in Misodom, the Lord blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything that he owned. woo -hoo! God's presence moves into the house of Obed-Edom, and now God starts treating Obed-Edom like he's the whole nation of Israel. I'm going to bless everything that you put, everything that belongs to you. I'll, because you've got my presence here, I'm going to bless everything that is here. And I need you to know, God will bless whoever will open up the door to his presence. God said, I am who I am. Just because you stop being you doesn't mean I'm going to stop being me. You want me in your home, I'll bless your home. 
home. You want me in your marriage? I'll bless your marriage. You want me in your church? I'll bless your church. You want me in Aurora? I will bless this city. I will bless wherever I'm wanted. And I love this. God says, look, look, if you won't let me bless you, then I'll bless that. I will bless them right in front of your face. I, I, that's what I will do. Can, can you just do me a quick favor? Can you just look at your neighbor and just say, if you don't want it, I'll take it. You don't want that blessing? I'll take it. You don't want that peace? God knows I need it. I'll take it. You don't want the overflow of his joy and his strength and his financial breakthroughs? I'll take it. God knows I need it. If you're, if you're taking notes, just write this down because you're not going to like this, but write it down. God will give you somebody else's blessing if you don't want it. God will give you someone else's blessing if you don't want it. They don't want it. You don't want it. God will give it to somebody. Prove it. Deuteronomy 6. God will give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build. God will give you houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide. God will give you wells you did not dig. God will give you vineyards. Come on. I know some people love this part. God will give you vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. And somebody's going to tell me, hallelujah, but that's Old Testament, Pastor. Jesus never said anything like that. Say what? Matthew 25, 28. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. He distributed five to one guy, two to another guy, and one to one guy. And the guy who had five did something with it, doubled it, and had 10. The guy who had two did something with it, doubled it, and had four. But the guy who only had one buried it. And Jesus said, since you won't use what I blessed you with, I will take it from you and I will give it to the one who's done something with what I blessed him with. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. Here it is. Just in case you didn't think what I'm saying is true. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have. Why don't we ever talk about these verses in the American church? We want to hear about God, get me a new house. Mm. And a new car. Mm. And a new cart. Hallelujah. Oh, since God's going to bless me with. And God says, if I bless you and you do nothing with the blessing, why would I keep giving it to you? I'll take what I've given to you, and I'll give it to somebody who's actually doing something. Listen to me. If you can sing, then you better start singing. If you can preach, you better start preaching. If you can love others, you better start loving others. If you have some kind of talent and skill, don't bury it unless the only thing you can do is speak your mind. You can bury that. But otherwise, do what God has blessed. Give it back to God. Use it for his glory and be a blessing to somebody else so God can bless you with something more. All right, I got to calm down. I got to get done. It took David three months, three months, before he finally humbled himself. He had to count the cost again. Wait a second. If I really want God's presence here, then I have to do it God's way. 
And he started counting the cost. He humbled himself and he said, look, I don't care what it takes. I want his presence back. I want his glory back. Somebody here in the room, you, you need to stop saying that you don't care about the very things that you were called to care about. Come on, I know people have hurt you. I know things don't always work out the way you hoped they would. But stop telling me you don't care anymore. God called you to care about it. That's why you say you don't care about it because it's still bothering you. It's still pestering you. You do care because God put it there. He put that within you. He put that desire within you. You were called by God to love others. That's why you say, I don't care about them anymore, but yes, you still do. God called you to help the needy, and that's why well, I don't have enough, but God is going to make sure you have enough if you will do what he has called you to do. I'm around so many people, especially the older I get, they just act like I just don't care anymore. I, I, I don't care anymore, and I came to tell you, yes, you do. Stop saying. Stop saying, well, I guess I'll never own my own business. I just don't care anymore. God called you to own that thing. It's time to own it. For, for those of you who know you, you're called to share your faith, but it just seems like everyone rejects you and mocks you, keep caring about that and share your faith. To those you've been called to lead, listen to me. I know sometimes it feels awful when you look around and nobody's following you, but God placed that within you, so go ahead and keep leading. He called you to. I need to tell you today, more than anything else, you have to humble yourself. Like David. Come on, stop being phony. We know David cared. That's why, that's why he did everything he could to get the Ark, the Ark of the Covenant back. He cared. Stop telling me you don't care. Instead, I need you to admit, I do care. I, I was made for more than this. I am, I am better than this. I am here to make a difference. And I know David cared. He wanted the ark back. I don't know what it is that you're saying you don't care about anymore. But if something is still stirring, even as just a little wicker in your soul, can you just lift your voice and say, Lord, I still care. Lord, I still believe. Lord, I still want it to happen. I want it back. I want it back. So what does David do? David goes back to Obed-Edom's home. But this time, this time, Tommy, David doesn't go back with his own will. This time he goes back differently. What, anyone ever heard the definition of insanity? <laughs> it's a simple definition. I'm not saying it's anyone near you, like they define it for you. I'm saying the definition of insanity, how I've heard it is always explained, is to do the same thing the same way and expect different results. It's a definition of insanity. I think it's going to change if I keep doing this. My God, girl, listen to me. He is... Clearly, he don't want to marry you. And you keep doing the same thing, the same way, thinking he's going to change his mind. No, you tell him, I cut your water off, bro, and you won't get any more of this until you decide I'm worthy of putting a ring on it and declaring before God, I'm worthy to be loved the way God designs. I hear some wedding bells in the future. Come on, somebody. Other people get nervous in here. Hallelujah. Oh, God. Don't, don't listen to that. Don't listen to that. No, don't listen to that. Thank you. Not everybody likes it. But I wasn't called to be liked. I was called to give you the truth. Amen. Amen. What David says is, I, I can't do it my way. I've got to do it differently. And I can't, I can't be insane about this and think I can keep doing it the same way. And the results are going to be different. Here's what you need to know. 
until you are willing to repent, you will repeat. Should I say it again? Until you are actually willing to repent, that means change your mind. That, that doesn't mean I'm sorry. People always say that when they get caught, right? No, I'm sorry. Okay. But that doesn't mean you change your mind because if I don't catch you again, you're going to keep doing it. Repent means I've changed my mind. So until I'm willing to repent, I will repeat. But the moment I'm willing to change my ways by changing my mind and say, God, your way is better. Hallelujah. I'm glad we declared that earlier because that's more than just song lyrics to me. That is me declaring to God, Lord, your will is better than mine every single time. I need to change the way I think. And I need to do things God's way. God's way. So look what happens here. Verse 13 of 1 Chronicles 15. Let me finish this up. David said, because you Levites did not carry the ark the first time, okay, the, the tribe of Levi, the, the Levites were that tribe that was basically separated unto God. There were 12 tribes total. This tribe could not own land. They could have homes, but they, but they could have no other possessions, businesses. The only thing they could do was the work of God, the work of the tabernacle or eventually the temple. That was their job. So it was their job to carry the presence of God. They were basically the priests, if you will. And so here's what happens. He says, because the Levites did not carry the ark, the anger of the Lord was burst out against us. We failed to ask God how to move it properly. So the priests and the Levites, check this out, purified themselves in order to bring the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel, back to Jerusalem. Then the Levites carried the ark of God on their shoulders with its carrying poles, just as God had instructed Moses. Oh, this whole thing is by design. And when I do it by design, I reap the blessings. Well, listen to me, if, if we're not careful, we will do things by desire and not design. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Yeah. But by desire. What, what we'll do is, is we, will, we, will, we will build a cart. Come here, Michael. We will build a cart, and we will put we will put God in our cart, and and we will only bring God out when we need something. God, I I, I need some help today. I got myself in trouble again. Lord, I I did some things I shouldn't have done. I just. I, I need you to, to correct me and, and heal me and help me. Thank you, Lord. You're so good. I'll see you when I need you again. Oh, 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 Lord. Oh, Lord. I'm getting financial trouble again. I keep, keep spending more money than I, than I make. Oh, Lord. Would you come out and bless me? Oh, thank you, Lord, for your blessings. You're so good. Amen. I'll see you next time I need you. Come on, somebody. I, I'm, I, I know I'm, I'm speaking to so many Americans walk with God. I know it. We, we, we see him when, when, when we're in trouble. We, we, we see him when we've got problems. We, we see him when we've got sickness. We, we, we pull him out on the cart. We wheel him out because we have a desire. But this is still not by design because God was never meant to be carted around anywhere. Dylan, come here. Come here, Brock. Come here. Come here. Let's have, let's have Dylan and, and Brock be uh, Uza and, uh, and Ohio, okay? Let's go ahead and let's just... Let's just Let's just pull the Ark of God's Covenant all the way back to, 
to Jerusalem. Come on, let's just pull them all the way back. Come on, pull them all the way back. Come on, a little faster. Come on, because we're celebrating. We're excited. We're excited. We're excited. Now, now what's going to happen somewhere along the way is there's going to be one of those. You're dead. Oh, you're dead. <laughs> wow, I wasn't expecting all that. Great acting. Come here. Here's the point I want to get at. How dare we think that we can treat a God who wants to be carried like he can just be carted? Let, let me say it differently. Let me say it differently. You've been carting God around when you need something. And God is trying to tell you, carry me everywhere you go because you never know when I'm going to be needed. Pick him up and carry him. The way. He said, put me on your shoulders and walk me everywhere you go. Take me to work. Take me to your family. Take me to Thanksgiving. Take me when you've got a problem. Take me when you go to bed. Take me when you rise up. My presence is not meant to be carted. My presence is meant to be carried everywhere you go. I need some men and women to put your hands together and let God know I'm going to carry you everywhere I go. This is design. Amen. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. Look at you. Look at, look at, look at verse 13 with me. First Samuel, Second Samuel 6, verse 13. I'm almost done, I promise. After the men who were carrying the ark of God had gone six steps, they sacrificed the bull and fattened calf. And then David danced before the Lord with all his might. Depending on the translation, basically lets you know he started throwing stuff off until all he was left wearing was his linen ephod. And as the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, here comes Saul's daughter, Michal. Now this was David's wife, but Saul's daughter. She looks down from her window, and she sees King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. This autumn, the first time David moved the ark, he was dancing with the people. But the problem was, he was in the wrong position. Because he should have been out front dancing before leading the way. And the Bible tells us when he changed positions and he danced before the Lord with all his might, when he started doing things by design, got, got off that cart and made sure God was carried, did it by design, the Bible tells us that the blessings of God begin to enter into the city of Jerusalem. Because it got so good, Rev, that David started blessing everybody. If you keep reading, he, he, was, he was giving loaves of bread to everybody, speaking blessings over everybody. And he shows up in his house, and he's ready to speak a blessing over his family. And his wife meets him at the door, and she tells him, you fool. I saw you being all undignified. Dancing yourself out of your clothing almost. You looked vulgar the way you were dancing before those young handmaidens. And she literally blessed David for praising God. And, and I need you to know this. Some people are always going to have a problem with your praise. So be like Miss Autumn and praise him anyway. Just praise him anyway. Notice, notice what David's doing here. He's, he's praising God with so much passion that he's doing what we talked about. He's throwing his whole self. He's saying, you're worthy of it 
You're worthy of it all. And he throws his whole self into praising God. Let me show you this video real quick, Tyler. Give me that last video I got. This was at a at a um a, an apostolic convention. But look at this old man in his wheel. He's literally standing there, but he realized God is worthy of it all. And even even with a little bit of emotion he had, he started praising God. He kept praising. He was not gonna hold back what God was worthy of. He danced before the Lord. I came to tell somebody, maybe the reason you're still stuck, and maybe the reason you're still depressed, and maybe the reason things aren't going the way you hoped they would, maybe the reason you have not prevailed yet is simply because you have never thrown your whole self at praising God, thrown your whole self at the promise of God. Maybe, just maybe, if we would consider why should it cost me anything? Because it costs Jesus everything. He said it like this one time. Jesus said, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and the sake of the gospel. Come on, let me, let me hear from some people who have actually found life. When you gave it all. When you threw your whole self into this, with our hands raised all over this room, God is trying to tell somebody here today, if you will give it all, I will give it all. If you will hold nothing back, God is telling somebody, I will hold nothing back. God is trying to tell you from the example of David here today, if literally, if you will go all in, you will watch me go all in in your life. I hear the God of heaven trying to speak to somebody's spirit today and tell you, you've held back for too long. You've been normal and nominal and casual for too long. And if I know anything about Christianity, there is not one word in the Bible that explains and expresses who we are as normal and nominal and casual. Every word that defines us as Christians is that we are more than conquerors. We are above and not beneath. We, we have this great God, the hope of glory inside of us there's nothing normal about being a Christian nothing normal about it and I came to talk to some people on a Sunday morning who are not average I said you're not average there's nothing average about your future there's nothing average about your calling there's nothing average about your destiny there's nothing average about you and I, I want to hear from some people today that will simply say it's not that I'm not grateful I'm just not satisfied it's not that God isn't good I just know he's great it's not that God hasn't done good things for me I just know there's greater things he's gonna do through me and I'm not satisfied with being normal I'm not satisfied with being nominal. God has called me to more. Kristen and I were talking this morning, and Kristen and I agreed. How often do we sing about things we never experience? Somebody said, I want more. I don't just want to sing about his blessings. I want to live in them. I, I don't just want to, I don't just want to sing about his power to heal and his great love. I want to live in that place, in that space. I want to carry his presence everywhere I go. With every hand raised all over this room, help me now. For those of you who want to do more than just proclaim God's promises, you want to possess them. With your hands raised, just reach up in faith and say, Lord, I just want you. I don't want tradition. I just want you. I don't want religion. I just want you. I don't want to be seen. I just want you. 
I want you, God. My life, I need you. But what I want is you. My desire is you. Like David. Let me pray for the people in this room who have been infected with a, with a literally a righteous discontentment. God has infected your spirit. You're just like, I'm not okay with this. I'm not okay with being normal. Something on the inside telling me I was made for more than this. Something on the inside is telling me I was created for more than this. Listen to me. Your mama may be fine with not wanting more, but something on the inside of you says, I was made for more. Your family may not want more, but something inside of you says, I was made for more. Your church may not want more, but something on the inside of you says, I was made for more. People on your row might not want more, but somebody throw up your hands and tell God, I was made for more. I'm ready for more. Whatever you want me to do, I will do. Wherever you want me to go, I will go. I've counted the cost and I've decided you're worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all. Hey, hey, you're worthy of it all. Everything I am, everything I have.